guys. Welcome to the Publishing by the Numbers podcast. It is oh the end of March. It's the end of March, ladies. And mm-hmm. I am Janice Brown, and I am here today with my amazing co-host with Virginia Anderson. Good morning. Good morning there. It's morning there. Yeah, yeah, it's morning. Hello. Yep. And CJ and Aya. Hey guys. Hello. Afternoon. And it is the afternoon here. It, it is the afternoon there. It's also the afternoon here. And we are on episode 22, and we are talking about writing organizations. No, 22, or are we on 23, ladies? We're on 23. Why did you let me go astray? Episode 23, we're going to talk about writing organizations today. We introduced this topic two weeks ago at the beginning of the month that we were going to talk about conferences and organizations, and we really hit conferences a little bit more at that point. And then we had the amazing Tara Luff join us. Um, And so today we're going to talk a little bit more in depth about writing organizations. And next week, secret sneak peek, we're going to have Rachel Bush join us. And she is the president-elect of the League of Utah Writers. So she's going to talk to us a little bit more about what the League does as an example of a writing organization. And then she's also going to dig into some more stuff about conferences. So this whole month has been all about conferences, and it makes me ever so happy. Mm. so and anyway you will all see you will also see me falling in love live it's it's true it's true there <laughs> th- there was a there was a connection y'all it, it it's amazing so watch this one but stay tuned because next week's is really really cool not, not that we aren't always really cool, but here we go. All right, so when we talk about writing organizations, just in general, we'll pitch this to CJ. What are we talking about when we talk about writing organizations? Writing organizations are these wonderful organizations where you can be a member of a group or a tribe of like-minded people, uh, usually within the same genre, sometimes a little more broad. Um, so an example of a, a, an organization would be the um, Romance Writers of uh, America. Okay, so that's one very huge organization that you could join and become a member of. And um, with these uh, national organizations, you have a lot of of help or support. Um, you you will you know pay a membership, but these organizations are there to support you. They're there to give you resources. They're there for you to find people that you can network with and work with, and they've got services that are available as well. Um, and I know that Jana wants to dive a little bit deeper into that, so I'll let her talk about that. As <laughs> her fingers are going, she's like, "Yes, my pretty." So go yes, for it, yes. Jana. Gotta love it. So. Um, like we say, they're organizations. It's kind of a funny thing when it's attached to things like writing and self-publishing because a lot of us are very introverted. And so the picture you get of a writer is somebody who is sitting alone at their computer in their ivory tower, creating the words, doing all of the stuff. Um, so it, it is sometimes a little bit of an antithesis to say what well, we want to be part of these writing organizations. But that's because even though the actual creation of a book might be kind of solitary, there's so many things that we need help with. And sometimes it's really nice just to connect with like-minded individuals. Um, I know that sometimes my husband, bless him, he, he loves hearing about what I'm doing, but he does get to the point that he's like, will you please go talk to somebody else who cares more than I do? Or who at least understands more than I do as to, you know, why why it is that we're having this discussion. 
So let's go a little bit more into the benefits. Um, we're going to talk about national organizations first, really kind of break them up into national organizations or worldwide organizations. There, there are, There's WorldCon and there's some other things that really do stretch everywhere. But what benefits, Virginie, do you get from joining a really big organization like uh, Romance Writers of America? You, you cannot do this alone. You really want to go to be... Uh, actively participating to those conferences and network with the uh, the other authors, publishers. It's amazing the kind of contact you can make. So uh, at those um, conferences and, uh, and when you become a member of uh, those organizations, in order to put your book out there, in order to get exposure, uh, you need to be in contact, in touch with others uh, who are in the industry. And those uh, organizations and conferences are ideal to meet those people and you're going to learn it's just we learn every single day and it's just amazing uh I'm I'm so so impressed by how you know just last night I um I was talking to someone who is quite influential in the industry and in any other industry they will be like um who are you? No, we don't want to talk to you. In this one, no, he just he just agreed to have a two hours conversation with me to talk about all different things about this industry. And you get to meet these kind of people here and they're very friendly, but you have to make that first step in participating to those conferences and those organizations and become a member, be involved. So then, you know, I have, I'm making my voice heard. Uh, just, it's just so beneficial to be part of those organizations. And if you, if you considering this business, seriously uh you have to be part of those those organizations well i think it puts you in the know right uh because uh what you have is uh information on uh different conferences because while you are part of organizations and worldwide organizations um sometimes you don't necessarily know what is going on in the world unless you tap into that or you don't know what the latest news is unless you tap into that and a lot of these organizations are staying up to date with the technology with what's going on in the industry and so you know about that um you also have this opportunity to network with specific distributors or agents or people who are part of these organizations. So these are all the benefits. Now, as far as cons go, as far as, as the negatives, everything costs something, right? So it can be a little bit pricey. So if you are going to join these organizations and you have membership fees, make sure you pay them and then you actually get involved in the organization and use the services that they have to offer so that it benefits you the way it needs to. Um, sometimes if, if these organizations don't, they don't work, that can be bad. <laughs> so you want to make sure that if you're joining re uh, organizations, that they are organizations of repute. Um, you don't want to join organizations that have, um, bad reputations for certain things, certain behaviors or certain dealings with other people in the industry, because if you blackball yourself in this industry, you're done like that. That's not, that's not a great way to handle things. Sometimes the organizations can be uh, selective in who they let in. So maybe you needed to have a New York Times bestseller sticker or a USA Today bestseller sticker, even though that no longer exists because reasons. Um, so, you know, that sometimes there are requirements and sometimes it's just a little bit snobby here and there. 
Um, and also sometimes you reach your limit, like, uh, like V was saying, maybe you don't want to be as involved as all of that. But I think the goal really is the interconnectedness and the knowing what's going on. And then who can I network with that's going to help me as well as me helping them. Okay. So it's another way to plug into the industry and another way to help you feel not so alone while you're learning all at the same time. Um, so there are uh, a lot of benefits to that. A few cons. One one benefit that Jana was just talking about was, you know, when you get into trouble um, through no fault of your own, a lot of times there are teams involved in these organizations that can help you. There are actually legal teams if someone goes after your book or something. So Jana, do you want to talk to us a little bit more about Nora Roberts and what went down there? Because I don't have the details. Yeah. I have no idea. Well, it's just things like, so there's been several plagiarism plagiarism cases where um, it was involving romance authors and the RWA stepped up with their legal team to help take care of the, the court cases. And that's a big deal because one of the reasons that people get plagiarized sometimes is the feeling like we can't fight our own battles because legal stuff is expensive. And so when you're part of one of these organizations and that then gives you this ability to have someone go to bat for you, that's a really big deal because otherwise I think most of us would just back off and say, well, it sucks, but what am I supposed to do with it if I'm looking at these really big legal bills? And so the RWA has done that before. Uh, the Authors Guild and Ally have both done um, things where they've talked to Amazon about things that authors really needed. I know they were both involved with getting Amazon to change their return policy, which was a complete thorn in the side for authors for the longest time because people could return books anytime. So you would see them go through your list and they'd read books and just return them, read and return, read and return. And when they'd get returned, you lost your royalties and it sucks. But these organizations talked to Amazon and others reached out, other influential people in the, indus the industry, and Amazon changed the policy. So so now their policy is 10% red or 48 hours. You, if you need to do a return, you certainly can, but you better be right on top of it instead of giving people forever and thus you know, having something abused. So it's really helpful when these organizations have the clout to close some of the loopholes that affect all of us. So that, that can be a really nice thing. And these are kind of the ones, you know, on the national level. So we're talking about big organizations here. So examples, as we've talked about, uh, the Romance Writers of America, uh, Alley, the Independent Authors Guild, the Horror Writers of America, the Science Fiction Writers Association. Those are the ones that are here, part of the U.S., because I know those the best. But they're going to show up everywhere. Um, and those are the ones that are far reaching. Very often what they'll do as far as organization is that you join the big group and then you'll have local chapters that is where you can get more local support, which leads us into local organizations. So, all right, girls, for either one of you, what do we feel like are the differences between those national organizations and local organizations? Is there any line Ooh. of difference or is it just one's big and one's little? Um, no, there is a bit of a difference. For example, I'm a member of the American Night Writers Association of ANWA, um, and we have local meetings. So we have chapter meetings where once a month we'll meet and we can, there's usually anywhere from like five to eight people in a, in a group. And that usually has to do with what your agenda is. So for, for us, our chapter, our agenda is critiquing. It's a critique group. So we keep them smaller because 
It makes it easier for everyone to bring like a chapter of their work or three pages of their work that their work in progress. And then we can read it and everyone can tell us, you know, give us feedback. What did you do right? What can be improved upon? And this is quite literally how I learned how to write this, the whole critiquing, as well as going to writing conferences. So my ability to learn craft had a lot to do with these local organizations and the meetings that we would have monthly, because it kept me organized, it kept me involved, it kept me motivated, but most importantly, it kept me learning. And then I knew about all of these fun writing conferences and workshops that I could attend that could help me in different aspects of craft, because that's where I was at in my process when I joined. I needed to learn how to write novels. I needed to learn how to write fiction. Um, they were not they were not expensive in any way. I think I pay twenty dollars a year uh, for Anwa. So it connects me with people in my genres. It connects me with people in my local community that I didn't even know before. That was really helpful. Um, and then we often um, exchange services in the way of looking at each other's books when we're done writing them. Sometimes if you can't afford editing because it's expensive, you can edit each other's works if you are actually good at it and you know how to do it. So don't just edit each other's books if you suck at editing, <laughs> okay? It's one thing to read it and give feedback on a developmental level or on a big picture level if you know how to do that. If you don't know how to, don't do it. Maybe from a reader's perspective, you could say, this is what I think, but, you know, be careful in the way that you give feedback. But if there are services that you can exchange and you're good at those things, you can help each other out in that respect. Um, the cons is that sometimes, I mean, it, they're, they're tight knit groups and, and a lot of, a, a, a lot of us are introverted. So once we find our people, we cling and we can't help that. So when a new person comes into the group, it's like, all right, who is this person? And will they be nice to us? Is this person a nice person? And so sometimes it takes a minute or two for everybody to feel each other out, but that's okay because eventually you'll get there. Um, and sometimes they can be flaky. So for example, I had a great group in um, one part of Arizona. And now that I'm in Tucson, I got nothing. There's not really a chapter here. And you would think there would be one since Tucson's bigger, but we've got, we, we just really don't have a group of people here in Tucson that meet together. So I have to revert to online um, groups if I actually want to stay connected. And since I, I don't have the time at this point in my life and in my journey, I don't really attend those groups. I'm more of a let's go to conferences and have fun there type of gal now. But these local organizations are what really keyed me in and helped me in this process of getting, you know, moving through all of that craft and all of that learning and figuring out what I needed to attend in order to learn those things. So a lot of good stuff there. Yeah, so I I think also because I know maybe uh, a lot of our uh, listeners there may not necessarily be based in the U.S., so there's a lot of uh, national, so they're not local, but national uh, associations and organizations that's proper to your country. For example, in Australia, uh, we have the uh, Australian Writers Guild, uh, which is this, it's, you know, it's it's the same principle. And what is great about that, it's really they they have a great website. You can get advice from there. They have events. Uh, I think they have one, or they just had one, can't remember, on trivia night. So it's it's fun to meet all the people doing the same thing, sharing the same interest. Um and it is absolutely true that whole thing with being clicky. Uh and I'm very guilty of that it's like once I have my people I'm like who is that new person I don't know I'm 
you know, suspicious of the intentions. Like when there's no intention, no suspicious intention whatsoever. But it's just, you know, and, and it, again, it's about that mental load you can't it's only to you know you're going to reach your mid your limit at some point uh but what i think is really interesting is once you get involved in those organizations you are and more more so with the local one because you can actually organize a meetup you can go for like a monthly catch-up you know we i go with some uh, a few people uh three four people doing a monthly thing we're just you know, catching up, telling each other where we're at with our books, with our like challenges that we're facing. And then you get to hear all those tips that you don't know. I mean, have you checked this one or have you have you heard about that? So it's really great to get a lot of information, network, and again, just leverage each other's uh, strength and to, you know, to, to help everyone to move forward. And so it's very much a win-win uh, situation. It does. Uh, I was part of another group previously and that group was very much just like nothing's happening. So ideally, if you are, so I'm pretty much a, if, if I want something to happen and there's no, no one organizing the, the group or events and things like that, I, I, I like to take charge and I, I would just come out with my spreadsheet and then <laughs> we'll, uh, everything will be spreadsheeted there. Uh, but if that's not so much your personality, uh, it's really good if you can find a group where there is a person who likes to take, take charge and then, you know, everything's organized. So you, I, I think it's important that you participate to those organizations and uh, uh, associations, but it's also important where you spend your time on and where you focus on, because there's a lot of organizations, a lot of places where you can get information. So choose those places wisely because your time is really precious. Yeah, that goes back to one of our most favorite sayings. Okay, it's one of my most favorite sayings, and I enforce it upon other people, which is the, would my time be better spent writing? where writing is anything that only you uniquely can do. So whether that is writing a book, if you're coming up with ideas, you know, things like that, you can, you're can you the only one who can do that. But there's a lot of other things in your life that other people can do or that you maybe don't need to do. Um, so I think it is really important to say, of these organizations, which ones fit me best? Which ones are the best use of my money and my time? And do not feel like you have to do all of them. This is something we say to you guys a lot because there's so many, so many possibilities out there. And the FOMO is fierce, guys. The The FOMO makes you go, I want to do all the things because because I want to be involved. Yeah. Or the opposite is the, um, uh, the, I think it's called JOMO, the joy of missing out. And, and the other side of that is the people that go, I don't want to be part of anything ever. But the other thing that being part of these organizations gives you is it's a credential to be able to say, I am a member of this, I am a member of that. Sometimes that shows up when when you want to go and present to somebody, then they're going to come to your, your local organizations and say, gosh, uh, she says she's a member of the League of Utah Writers. What do you know about her? Has she presented for you before? What What kind of credentials does she really have? And so I've always been really grateful for the organizations I am a member of because they're there to say, oh yeah, this is what we can tell you about her and it's all great. 
And that has led to me getting um, presentations and ends with places that I probably wouldn't have managed uh, without. Uh, the other neat thing is that there are certain people that, you know, we, we have this lovely podcast and we envision that one day we will be big enough that we can ask some of the really high hitters in our field to come and talk to us and that they'll be able to do that. And sometimes being part of an organization is a way to get access to some of those folks that you want to talk to. Um, that it's, it's a little bit easier than getting the courage yourself to go and approach somebody and say, I really want to talk to you. Um, you can do it through the organizations, you can do it through the conferences, and you can have that opportunity to say, oh, yeah, I got to have a five minute face to face discussion with Kevin J. Anderson. You know, how cool is that? Um, and a lot of times these organizations and conferences, that's how we get through those those barriers, even those ones that are just ones in our heads. Because I think a lot of these people are much, much nicer than we think they are and much more willing to talk to you than we think they are. But it helps you to break through. So let's see. Uh, anything else that we want to add here, girls? This might be a little bit of a shorter one, but we wanted to make it really focused and lead into our discussion with the League of Utah Writers. So a couple of examples um, from where I'm at here locally. The League of Utah Writers covers the entire state of Utah, and then there's lots of chapters in different places, and their chapters are broken up either by uh, geographical location or like we have one that is romance writers. We have two that are for genre for science fiction and fantasy. And we have one that is uh, poetry and one that's for editors. So that's kind of a nice thing too, is you can get in that bigger organization. And then sometimes you can find those little places within there that you can really focus down on the things that you love the most. Uh, next door in Colorado, there's the Rocky Mountain Fiction Writers. And CJ already talked about Anwa down in Arizona. Most states in the United States will have something. And wherever you're located in the world, you can probably find it. And the online thing makes this so much easier than it used to be. Because if you're not right where there's somebody locally that you can meet with, very often you can find folks that are within a little bit broader geography, and you can do those online meetings and some of that kind of thing. It's one of the few blessings we got out of the pandemic was that we really opened up the online world to say, yeah, we can just Zoom together and we can have our meetings this way and that way. I have um, uh, Australian Society of Authors and the... Uh... The other one, uh, the uh, Australian uh, Writers Guild. Um, so they're not super expensive, but they're not super cheap. So, <laughs> so, but you, you don't necessarily have to get a membership straight away. What you can do is just at least go on their website because there are a lot of information, really, really good information there. And I think you ought to do that for any organization before you join it. A lot of times you can even attend a meeting and just go hang out and get to know people before you have to ante up with any kind of money. And I think that's always a great idea because that'll kind of give you a feel for what kind of personalities you're dealing with, what kind of activities, and look for things that suit you, that, that stretch your comfort and your boundaries just a little bit, but things that suit you where you're going to be able to enjoy being there and you're going to be able to get back. CJ, any final thoughts? least on this subject nope, nope. i think uh, i think we covered everything excellent all right job, guys. everyone gets well yay i love cookies then let us roll into our irrelevant moments for the week cj kick us off because i know virginia's dying to tell us so we'll ask you first because <laughs> i am mean that way 
You are mean. Oh, it's mean. But this is payback. We won't get into why. Um, okay, so my daughter sent me this TikTok video that she made yesterday where she was doing skincare for her brother, um, JJ, who is 15. And oh, I don't nice. know how she convinced this kid to just sit there in that chair and let her do a whole skin routine set to soundtrack music with little clips in his hair. But I got to tell you, he is the best brother on the planet. The best brother, because he just took it like a champ. And so she's got her little cute. Um, She actually played the song, beautiful, 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 beautiful boy. Like she had that whole <laughs> oh, nice. song in the background. It's hilarious. And so um, I'm going to rewatch that over and over again today because at the end, our little pug Spike jumps in with his fierce face and his lips pulled back as he's because she's got it in slow motion. So we've got JJ looking beautiful and then Spike's mug right at the end. It's excellent. So that's my irrelevant moment. I just sat there laughing my head off because it was the funniest thing I'd ever seen. My little nine-year-old put it together. So I that's a good brother how, right there. I want to know how she mm -hmm. convinced him because this cannot be just without. I don't, I don't know. I need to ask him. Uh, I need to call him and say, what did she bribe you with? I mean, yeah, what could yeah. a nine-year-old possibly have bribed you with? I'm thinking it's her stash of Oreos because she doesn't let people touch those ever. We'll have to see. But um, that would be a thing. Maybe. Yeah. All right, V, what is irrelevant okay. on your side of the All planet? Right. So I have two things because of course, you know, being <laughs> concise as I can as concise as I can be. So I have two things. The first one is the, the canteen volunteering duty thing. So you ha I had this grand plan, you know, like how hard it can be. How hard can it be? Not hard. So I go there, I started, it's pretty slow like nothing so like then we start slowly preparing the you know lunch and uh then the bell rings and then i was slaughtered uh there's that day it was 38 degrees which is about a hundred fahrenheit is it what yeah it is? yeah yeah about 100 fahrenheit and they all wanted a ice block and there's like seven different type of ice blocks that I've never heard of. So they come and they're like, I'm on the, nah, I'm on the, nah. I'm like, uh, what, what is it? And they have to actually point like, it's that, it's that. And then they're like, oh, shouting. And then they're like giving me money. And then some like, I want this, but I'm like, it's this that cost actually two dollars and you just give me one dollar like let me let me like a nice try but no 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 i smoked for you so that was uh a big an hour and a half i survived it but whoa so next time someone said the counting duty is easy no 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 <laughs> and and the other thing is uh, I don't know if you, you guys know, but I have this phobia of snakes, right? I, I actually mm -hmm. have this. Oh, oh, we're aware of it. <laughs> I actually, actually have this dead desire to extinguish this entire species. Like, I don't care about the ch chain of food, the food chain, you know, the, the I don't care. Who is the, well, and by the way, who is the snakes, the predators? So I, I start looking at ways to find snakes repellents and i went down this rabbit hole of finding all sorts of stuff but i also have to be careful because i cannot even see the picture with the snake so when i'm doing my research i have to go around and just 
you know, scroll very slowly. So if I see so anything that's that looks like a snake, I have to stop because I cannot do that. So it makes my research very difficult. And then it brought it, it, it made me think, what if I'm carrying a snake wallet, you know, a wallet made with snake skin, and then mm -hmm. I have an encounter with an, a snake, a, a live snake. Would the live snake recognize my wallet that is made of a skin <laughs> by a snake and then attack me? It, like, it's possible. Know, they, thought, they are smart. Like Your thought process throughout this whole thing, it? it's fascinating to follow. <laughs> can they sense it? Can they smell it? So it was very, and then I asked my my husband, who is a scientist, like, I like, what do you think? And he just looked at me and he's like, and that was, have a response, huh? That oh, was dang it. I was looking forward to his response. <laughs> that was my irrelevant moment. Uh, Jenna, your turn. Tell us. Oh, yeah, you're getting me. I, I keep muting myself because the dog is in there ringing her doorbell because she rings a doorbell so that she can go out and use the restroom. And my girls can't hear it. And I'm like, I'm recording. I need somebody else to deal with the dog because the dog always chooses the moment that you have sat down, you're settled, you're, you're launched yourself into something. That is always when she needs to go out. And, and it drives me just a little bit crazy. And, and that kind of is my irrelevant moment is that I have the funniest dog because spring is finally starting to creep into Utah. Thank goodness. I have tulips that are just as big. They're so cute. Yeah, and tulips are such great flowers because you can almost watch them grow just how fast they spring up once they start springing. And so they make me very, very happy. I love my, I love my tulips and I love my daffodils. And my dog is a sheepadoodle. So she is a sheepdog poodle cross, which means she's got really poofy fur with curls in it. And during the spring and the summer, we, we keep her shaved down the, and into the fall. And then during the winter, we just kind of let it go because it's a nice insulation. So she looks, oh, y'all, she looks so funny right now because she is just poof. Giant, giant poof with curls and she's running around outside enjoying the sunshine and then she just flops over on her back and just lays there like her stomach is solar paneled and she's ever so happy and then she comes running into the house and I realize that in her joy and her flopping she flopped on a piece of poop and so no. I, I had to destroy her joy by washing her down because that is the other thing that happens in the summer is that everything that happened in the snow that we were not able to scoop up, it, it's now, it, it's all there, guys. And it's so, so my, my relevancy is trying to figure out who has to deal with the springtime poop cleanup. And I really, really don't want it to be me. No. Give that to your hubby. That sounds like a yeah. hubby job. Right I, there. I love the dog. There, there actually is a company here in Utah called Utah Poop Scoop. And, and <laughs> I might just hire them to come and deal with deal. It's that's, like 15 bucks. And I'm thinking that um, that might be worth every single penny yeah. just to let somebody else deal with. Oh. I love our dog. Love her. But that, that is the side of... Yes, beautiful, the side of pet ownership example. that sucks. <laughs> or, or Jenna, you need to talk to CJ's daughter to understand how she bribed uh, the 15-year-old and see if I can bribe myself a 15-year-old. Maybe apply the same thing with your daughter. You know, it's the, I think it's an ad. Yeah, I think things, things could happen. Things could totally happen. 
<laughs> All right, guys. Well, short, sweet, and to the point today. Thank you so much for joining us. You can find the show and the show notes at www.alantumdigital.com and follow the podcast on YouTube or on your favorite podcast distributor. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and leave us a review. We'll see y'all later. Bye-bye now. Bye, guys. Bye.